0: Welcome to the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. I'm David Lorimer, co-editor of a new book, Spiritual Awakenings, Scientists and Academics Describe Their Experiences. It's published by the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences and is available in paperback and Kindle editions. In this series of weekly podcasts, we'll be sharing the 57 original essays, together with introductions and epilogue from my co-editor, Professor Marjorie Willicott. We hope you enjoy them. On the Trail of Spirit Lorna Green, Ph.D. On a journey every step is appointed. A mystic can be content with a crack in the wall. Ellie Riesel My spiritual awakening has taken place through many different moments over the years, involving both mystical experience, new ideas, and insights about the universe that made them possible. In a time of trial and tribulation, a certain man showed up in my life, and put his arm about me, and whammo! I woke up. I went back and reconnected with the small self I was in the garden of my childhood. My love affair with the earth came as an infant in the garden. My earliest bonds were with the earth. Whenever I had things to think about or pain to absorb, I would go out and lie down on the earth. There was always magic, fairy tales, and animals. A neighbor boy brought us a salamander. We connected, and I was hooked. Around seven, my friend's mother wrote our names on a piece of paper. I looked at the letters of Lorna and thought, is that me? My love affair with words began, and a life of writing. My father was a physicist. Science was in my blood from an early age. I had problems with my father's worldview. He would say, music is for the spirit, but I did not see any place for spirit or for his ethics. My fascination was with life. My questions led me to science at McGill and graduate work at Rockefeller University. The term consciousness came my way at McGill. The library had books on Eastern mysticism. They were all about consciousness. At Rockefeller, I began a study of philosophy. I heard the term metaphysics. I knew that was who I was and what I would write. My physics teacher wrote Newton's Law of Motion, F equals MA, on the board. I asked him, just what are the forces? He looked at me incredulous and said, either you are very brilliant or very stupid. In the heart of the life sciences, I realized that science could not explain the universe, which is why I wanted to study philosophy to find an alternative. Now that I knew science could not explain the universe, I did not want to finish my thesis. But Dr. Edelstein said, If you cannot establish the truth in some small matter in your laboratory, what will you do up there? And he pointed upwards, a telling argument for a seeker after truth. After several years of dislocation that left deep scars, I studied philosophy at the University of Toronto. I met Emil Fackenheim, and when he heard the questions I was asking, he said, You are going to be a metaphysician. Philosophers at the U of T believed that metaphysics was dead, that science had all the answers. I knew they were wrong. I learned from him. The true task of the metaphysician is the human self image. The metaphysician must make herself exquisite. While working on my thesis, I became a tutor in the Great Books program at St. John College in Santa Fe. There I heard the deafening silence of women in history and resolved to break into it. Feminism was just getting off the ground. I would have been considered a radical feminist. They are the ones who come in angling for the patriarchy. I began looking into spiritual things. I often went to Mass, though I was not Catholic. I was spellbound by the mass no matter how disheveled I was in the day. I always recovered myself. My third year was darkness. I had been working on my thesis with no answers. I came back to St. John's and saw the heavy structure of the school coming down over me, and I went into a deep depression. By that time, I was on the trail of spirit a student told me about a monastery in Pecos that I must visit. I heard spirit speaking. I went. Entering the monastery, I took one look at the joy on the faces of the men and women, and I knew they had the truth. I was thinking of giving up my thesis in philosophy and declaring my quest for truth a failure. Abbot David Gerritz called the charismatic experience everyone's mysticism— Grounded in a complete experiential connection with the Lord. They prayed over me, and it was as if I stepped fully and deeply into the wholeness of truth. I returned to the school so transformed, a rumor started that I had had a deep mystical experience. I needed to prepare a math class, and a clear voice told me what to do. I told the abbot about the voice. He said, That is the voice of the Lord always trusted. On my third visit, I felt some great inner shift happening within me around the thesis. The conclusions that had eluded me for years suddenly burst out of me. I wrote the final section. That summer, I made a house of prayer at the monastery. My years of dislocation had left me with ten years of free-floating anxiety. The abbot taught Jungingen depth psychology dream interpretation, symbolism, and deep healing prayer that ended the anxieties. I left academic life to enter a life of writing, prayer, and practical tasks. At 40, I had picked up most of the learning of this age, and it was time to get serious about metaphysics. I returned to Canada and took up a wilderness life to work the whole thing out for myself. At that point, two seminal works came my way, Seth Speaks and Grayson and Flynn, The Near-Death Experience. By the time I was 48, I had a pretty good idea about what was what. I told Spirit, I know what everything is, but I am too exhausted to write it. Send me someone with an animus like my father's and I will write it for you. A man with an animus like my father's showed up in my life. I published Earth Age, a new vision of God, the human, and the earth. I published three other books in 2004. I began meeting with a group of women, my greatest spiritual awakening. We talked about consciousness and the earth as conscious living spiritual beings like ourselves, very different from the scientific version of things. My four books developed my metaphysical principles based on the truth of consciousness. In this high desert country where I now live, spirit has given me a privileged standpoint on being, on the universe, all universes, and I started to pay attention. My true life began meeting with the women. With the accepting, affirming presence of these women— my body relaxed, and my pain began to surface. Following a path of inner healing, it was a pivotal moment. As pain released, I opened up powers and abilities. The truth of the earth around me came in. All the ideas I had taken in as a student came up. A spiritual source told me, you are being asked if you want to be bound by this And if you don't, just discreate or cancel them. At that moment, the truth of things arose. Truly, the earth as the native people have always understood it as an incarnation of spirit. Thanks so much for downloading the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. Do join us for the next episode.